Welcome to episode 263 of the Rugby League Republic podcast with your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. In this episode, we review round four of the 2023 NRL season. We discuss record NRL attendances and we debate which Sydney team should relocate and much, much more. Join us as we build a rugby league community for all. The Rugby League Republic podcast starts right now. Welcome to episode 263 of the Rugby League Republic podcast, where we aim to bring you the everyday fans' perspective on the greatest game of all, Rugby League. This is Rugby League for the people. I'm your co-host, Dr. T. Joining me is Tish. Tish, how are you doing this week? Dr. T, uh, I must admit, look, uh, I think my Rugby League fandom is waning. You know, one month into the competition, you know, still a winless Tigers um, but look, I've got to say the quality of all the other games has been great. So, um, but look, I've been enjoying the rugby league, but yeah, bit disappointed for my team, but, but overall, okay. How about yourself, Dr. T? How are you doing? Well, yeah, look, I, I, I do understand. I, I sympathize with Tigers fans out there having, uh, you know, we know what it's like. We were, we were, uh, zero and three a short while ago, <laughs> the Eels. We've managed, <laughs> yeah. we've managed to squeak in a golden point win. Uh, to make it one and three, uh, but yeah, uh, as as I've seen on the media, you know, you don't want to mess with uh, Mister Four, the Irish Mister Four, first name Owen Owen Four, which is where the Tigers are at the moment. Owen Four, mm. I'm so sorry, that's a dad joke if if I've ever heard one. But look, the Tigers uh, are struggling, no doubt about it, and and uh, you know. Funny that because uh, Wayne Bennett's come out and said a few things that have, have got uh, the tongues wagging and we are going to debate that today, uh, mm. what he's talked about, Sydney clubs relocating. Um, wow. I think Tigers may be one of the, the, the targets. They've been, uh, you know, the poorer cousins to some of the other powerhouse Sydney clubs in of late. And so, you know, no doubt they've got a target on their back. But look. Yeah, their on-field performances aren't really doing them any favours in these discussions. So we're going to debate that, but we also are going to talk about uh, some positive news in the world of rugby league, very positive news. So we're going to start with that very soon. But Tish, do you have a, anything else to uh, to say before we dive into our six tackles? Well, not really. Looking forward to a great episode this week. Let's get started. All right, here we go. Tackle number one, the round for review. All right, so round four kicked off with an epic, uh, high-quality golden point uh, thriller. The Eels, 17, triumphant, finally over the Penrith Panthers, 17-16. to 16 at Combank Stadium on the Thursday evening in front of 16,000 or so fans, the grand final replay. The Storm 24-12, to 12, uh, the Friday night game against the Tigers. Uh, the Dolphins uh, just been edged out 18-12 to 12 by the Brisbane Broncos in front of an epic 51,000 
fans, the so-called Battle of Brisbane, a new tradition begins at Suncorp Stadium there on the Friday night. Uh, Saturday uh, was the Cowboys 24-12 over the Titans in front of 16,000 at Queensland Country Bank Stadium. The Rabbitohs 13-12. I believe that was also golden point against the Manly Warringah Seagulls at Accor Stadium in front of 18,000 fans. The Warriors 16-14 over the Bulldogs on Sunday at uh, 2 p.m. at Mount Smart Stadium in front of 18 or so thousand fans. The Newcastle Knights doing it for their fans at McDonald Jones Stadium 24-14 over the Canberra Raiders in front of 15,000 fans at Sunday, the big Sunday 4 p.m. game. And to end the round, Cronulla the, in the local derby, say, uh, Cronulla Sutherland Sharks 40-8, to eight, a big flogging of the St. George Illawarra Dragons at Ned Strata Jubilee Stadium in front of 15,000 or so fans. Um, needless to say, Tish, uh, or I, know, I forgot to say, uh, bye-bye Sydney Roosters. I mean, sorry, they had the bye, Sydney Roosters. Uh, look... <laughs> The uh, needless to say, I think the for me the there are two there were two big kind of highlights of the weekend, uh, the Battle of Western Sydney and the Battle of Brisbane. I think uh, the Eels and Panthers have, you know, in the last few seasons had some epic battles. You know, the Eels have had the wood on the Panthers, except when it matters in semi-finals and grand final. Um, but uh, but that's there's you can always guarantee that whether it's at Combank. Or at um, uh, whatever the you know the betting stadium is out there at Penrith, or at one of the big uh, you know grand final or finals venues in Sydney, you can guarantee that a Penrith and Parramatta game is going to be high quality. It's going to be full of drama, and uh, and it's going to be uh, yeah. I mean, look, this one in particular was full of drama. We saw the the Eels were. You know, they were 16-14. Uh, look, they were, they were winning with uh, with minutes to spare. A late try to the, the Panthers put them close. 16-14, uh, you know, they with, with literally, uh, I would say, you know, 17 seconds to spare. I think it was something like that. Um, basically, um, uh, Junior Paulo with a reckless kind of high tackle. I think that uh, yeah. they've him out for two games as well. Uh, ridiculous uh, from a, the co-captain of the Eels to put his <laughs> in, in, in that in danger that close to, uh, you know, so penalty was given, 10 minutes in the bin. Uh, all of a sudden the Panthers looked like they had something brewing, kicked down the field, and then all of a sudden, look, they were still 40 metres or so out. And uh, but that didn't stop Nathan Cleary because he thought I'm going to get a two point field goal here, and with literally seconds to spare, he uh, slotted over and like an epic two point field goal to level the scores, and all of a sudden uh, a game that was in Parramatta's favour tipped towards the Panthers' favour going into Golden Point. The Parramatta Eels were one man down. Um, but that didn't stop the Eels. Uh, they uh, they persevered, and then a Mitchell Moses cool as a cucumber field goal, regular field goal to get them one point ahead, seventeen to sixteen. Uh, absolutely nailed it for them. The Eels deserve to win, uh, no doubt about it in my mind. But I think you know, just Nathan Cleary. I mean, look to think that a clutch play to get them within uh, to, to that golden point period. 
uh, yeah, did you catch this game, Tish? What did you think about the drama and the quality of uh, football that we saw? Oh, look, I think it was a, a great weekend of, of rugby league. And, yeah, look, I'd concur that you had the two great battles, the Thursday night and the Friday night battle. And the Friday night battle, I'm not talking about the Storm and the Tigers, which the Tigers played atrocious again. But the real <laughs> ones, the battle, as you said, the battle of Brisbane and the battle of Western Sydney. Now, also you got to remember it was the grand final replay and Brad Fittler did say something uh, quite interesting in the commentary, which was, you know, all the, you know, sort of hype was around the battle of Brisbane People actually go, this is a major game, right? This is two, uh, this is a local derby of Western Sydney. And on top of that, uh, it is the grand final replay of last year. Um, and look, I think the Nathan Cleary moment was was brilliant. I thought it was it was great, like, you know, that 40-meter kick. But I think equally, I think Mitchell Moses certainly, uh, you know, stepped up to the plate and proved why, you know, he's... he's um, well, I don't know if he's signed, but about to sign, whatever, you know, the, the rumours is that he's already signed another long-term contract for Parramatta and, and he's worth all the money because, you know, for a performance like that where he comes and, and does it. And look, despite, as you said, Junior Paolo um, with yeah with uh, with a, a tackle which they reviewed and he actually jumped up and I... <laughs> Yeah, look, there's no, he, you can't hide Junior Paul, I put it that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and look, there was another incident. Look, I think the, on the 71st minute, um, you know, Zach Hock, uh, Hoskin scored a try and they came off a, uh, I, I think, a bit of a brain snap from, I think it was going to say Niakura or uh, Nakayama. I'm not, I'm not 100% sure um but one of one of the other forwards as well it was like you know it was it was a really bad penalty which um you know which which they ended up scoring so i think you know Parramatta did their best to lose this game and uh and this and they and they unfortunately didn't but i'd say my, my, my main highlight i would i would have to be was that um you know in new south wales uh you know there was an election and i was sort of watching uh the election sort of coverage a little bit and uh, we've got a new premier, um, you know, Chris Mins, and and uh, you know he, he got through, um, you know, and then so like anyway, as they were making the announcement, they go, oh look, you know, he's going to be uh, introduced by the prime minister Anthony Albanese, uh, who's a mad rabbit supporter, and the Rabbitohs won, uh, you know, by golden point, um, like a few minutes before that. So, I mean, what what sort of timing? And they were actually at the Brighton La Sands. Um, uh, Hilton, right? Is that kind of <laughs> South Sydney area, Doctor T? I, th- I think it was kind of a, a very much Saturday night South Sydney uh, sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, it. it look, I mean, it, we can talk about which area of Sydney is covered by which club. Yeah. Uh, later, because that's a it's a crucial thing, isn't it? I mean, you know, yeah. Rabbitohs have support across the board, so I think um, it's a kind yeah. of club that that you know it it, it extends beyond its geographical limitations. Yeah, but this is the influence of rugby league. So, so Doctor Sir, let me ask you a question: Have you ever watched an election uh, of another state? Um, no, no. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think people do that, right? Or have you watched um, uh, like election coverage of an election happening in another part of the world, other than maybe the presidency of the United States? Um, no, not that I can think of. No. Okay. Okay. Well, look. After they made the announcement that that the Rabbitohs had won, right? Then uh, I think it was Peter Overton. He's like, for those of you who are who are not in New South Wales, 
you know, rugby league is a very popular sport. South Sydney is, and he's explaining who South Sydney are to the people watching this. And I'm thinking, who in New South Wales doesn't know? So he's like, you know, for those watching interstate or around the world, here's who these teams are. I'm thinking, who's watching from internationally and around the world? But anyway, but rugby league getting a moment, I think, in, um, you know, in, in the, in the election, I think is always a great thing. So there you go, you know, politics and rugby league, uh, you know, two brothers that can never be separated. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised that anyone would need to be explained what who the South Sydney Rabbitohs are in Australia. <laughs> it's, that's um, that's a big fail there from Peter Overton. Very disappointing. Yeah, well, look, Who's a newsreader? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, to be fair, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it's Peter Overton, but look, it may not be him. I'm, I'm it, but I just, I was like, well, okay. Th- well, in that to- case, sincere apologies to Peter Overton. Yeah, we may have got, not we may have sure, may have got it wrong, but like, someone. yeah. But it was good. It's good to hear regularly getting a shout out and and the Rabbitohs at least. So yeah, <laughs> that's right. Well, one of the things you would have noticed from me going through these uh, these scores and the times and the attendances is how high the attendances are across the board. And uh, so that's the topic of our second tackle, which is about uh, a record-breaking uh, few weeks that we've seen this year. So here we go with tackle number two. So as I alluded to, we've had a record-breaking few rounds to kick off the 2023 season. In fact, uh, the stats, I'm going to read from NRL.com news article themselves that says that games have never been closer in the 115-year history of the code in Australia. And as a consequence, it's leading to record NRL attendances. So uh, we've got... You know, if if you're looking at so look, and if anyone says, well, how are we going to get attendances up? You know, one of the key bits of evidence here is that uh, you know when games are closer, people tend to kind of want to turn up because they figure, you know, there's a likelihood that the game will be close, and and I'm not going to waste my time going to see my team get thumped. So I think there is a benefit to that. But let me just sort of read through a little bit of the stats. So we've got 78% of matches so far this season, admittedly it's only four rounds, but 78% of them have been decided by 12 points or less. And the NRL has more games within that range after four rounds of any premiership year since 1908. So, I mean, (laughs) the stats don't lie that, um, and that's a really big stat to, to sort of, hang your hat on after four weeks. I mean, considering, Tish, uh, and I'll just pause there for a sec, considering that we've had during the COVID era uh, and, well, let's just say during the PVL era of the NRL, we've had lots of debates and discussions around the uh, the lopsided scoreline. So all of a sudden, I don't know what's happened this year. I mean, can you pick it? What's been happening this year that has led to close games, whereas, you know, I remember this time last year we were talking about all the lopsided scores and and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, do you have any uh, insight, Tish, into what what might be leading to uh, the closeness of these matches so far? Okay, well, I think the uh, the closeness comes because there is an evening spread of talent across the NRL, and I think that comes 
through the uh, addition of a new team, right? Mm. Because oh, suddenly yeah. you need to spread across and there are more opportunities for players and, you know, and then you've got teams that have, for the last few years, have, have been at the top, but now they've had to shed some players for the expanded team, but also because of salary cap pressures, right? So I think it's a bit of a cycle that maybe sort of happens where, you know, because you've had a, a few good seasons, well, these players who have had success at a club all of a sudden are worth a lot more money in the open market. So you have to try and get them, uh, try to let them go. Uh, well, you've got to try and f- and then fill them up with sort of young players who finally get an opportunity. But you combine that with the expansion of the extra team um, and it just means that there's a lot more evenness spread out. And, uh, you know, uh, Penrith are suffering from that really because they've produced so many great players. But as you can see, um, they're not the high flyers this year because they sort of, you know, it's it's doing what it should be doing, right? The salary cap at the moment, which is evening out the competition. So I, I'd say it, that those for me are the factors. What about yourself, Dr. T? Yeah, no, I think that's some good insight there. I think, you know, the key difference compared to last year is we've got a new team and, and uh, mm. you know, and we, we have seen, you know, although we, we – well, we haven't really seen a dominant team. I know the Broncos have been winning, but it's not like as if they've been mm. demolishing every other team. Uh, you know, they're up there and, uh, and, and they're strong and they had a good battle of Brisbane there against the Dolphins. But the Dolphins are a new team, you know. It's not like um, – uh, you know, it's not like we're seeing a Penrith or a Storm race out to an eight-point lead, you know, in the first few rounds. This isn't like that anymore. So it's a bit of a different situation this year. So that's one factor, and I think you've you've hit the nail on the head. The reason is, I think, I agree with you, there's a new team in town, and it's a bit of a thinning of, uh, of the talent and a spreading of the talent. So I guess, you know, rather than that lump, that yucky lumpiness of Vegemite that you get, when you accidentally put a whole lump on one corner of your toast, you know, the spreading of the talent of the Vegemite across the entire toast with the butter, it just, it just leads to a, a tastier experience, let me tell you. So, look, along that line, you know, the uh, uh, whatever the reason is for the closeness of the games, uh, what can't be denied as well is that there is a uh, corresponding uh, crowd and ratings increase uh, that we're seeing. So crowds are at their highest since the establishment of the NRL in 1998 with 612,093 fans attending the 32 games in the opening four rounds at an average of 19,128 per match. And the crowds for round four matches average 20,000 with Friday night's inaugural Broncos-Dolphins clash being the biggest turnout for an NRL match at Suncorp Stadium. So, I mean, look, that's pretty good. We've got, you know, records being broken everywhere. Closeness, highest crowds, highest crowd at an NRL match for Suncorp Stadium. Um, that's really good. And the other thing we're seeing is TV ratings being strong as well. So according to footyindustry.com, the introduction of the Dolphins this season has resulted in a 25% increase in Brisbane viewers headed by the match against the Broncos, which drew an overall audience of 1.3 million. So, you know, strengthening your, as, uh, you know, as uh, we're going to talk about this later, but one of the things that I always stuck with me is uh, that quote from Phil Gould about, you know, you don't weaken your strength to strengthen your weakness, meaning 
you know, if you've got a strength, a jewel in the crown like Brisbane, you know, putting another team there, for years and years it was seen as, especially by the Broncos fans, as diluting the talent and making, you know, uh, you know, cutting down the tall poppy of the Brisbane Broncos club. Well, as we've seen, actually there's a different way of looking at it, which is by adding a team, you create a rivalry. And as we've talked about before, Tish, what's, uh, what, what is rivalry built for in rugby league? It's tribal, tribal rivalry. That's what it's all about. That's what brings in the, the crowds and the fans and, and, uh, and, and makes it interesting for us. So I think when you put all that together, it's no, no wonder that close games, the introduction of the Dolphins, uh, and and increasing interest in in Brisbane in general uh, has really elevated the entire NRL in terms of crowds and you know already we've seen records. Um, there was another bit of in depth insight from Graham Annesley, who's the referee. Is he the referee's boss? What is he? No, he's the head of football. Graham Annesley um, looked at looked at uh, some stats around the games as well to see if. Uh, what was um, what could be explained, uh, and he said that uh, matches seem to be remaining close until the end, with the average margin of matches so far this season being just eight point eight points. He said the ball was in play for longer, sixty two point six percent, and the elapsed time per match, which is how long a game takes from kickoff to full time, was significantly less, ninety one point forty eight minutes. I don't know what that means. I thought it's meant to be. <laughs> 80 minutes, but anyway, I guess there's a less time wasting, maybe, or, or maybe there's uh, there's more play uh, involved. So that's what he's saying. More with the plays, the balls in play for longer, um, and and he says, uh, uh, you know, when a guy, when a, I'm quoting Annesley now, when a game blows out in time, generally means there have been a lot more stoppages and lengthier stoppages, where whether they are for injuries. Try reviews, video replays, or whatever. While there may be just as much action, it gets drawn out over a long period of time. When a game is compacted into a shorter time frame, it just adds to that level of entertainment and excitement for fans who are seeing non-stop action. As a result of the five percent increase of play in ball in play time for round four compared to the year-to-date average, there were an additional three sets of tackles per match. Would you believe three sets? Wow! So in terms of play the balls, there have been an average of almost 300 play the balls per game in round four, and a total of 8,913 play the balls compared to 8,618 play the balls in the first four rounds last season. And basically, he says there have been an extra 50 sets of play the balls. Um, you know, and here's the, the critical thing that I'm just going to jump to you in a second. We don't spend a lot of time talking about the play of the ball, but a lot of coaches will tell you that winning the contest in the play of the ball is the most critical factor in determining whether you're going to win or lose. So I think there's a little bit more to unpack there, Tish. Uh, probably the remains to be seen if there's some more stats to come out to explain this. But I, I guess what Graham Annesley is saying, and this might be a kind of a micro answer compared to mm. the uh, the discussion we just had about the Dolphins and other sort of things at play. But, you know, one of the things that we're seeing on the field, uh, according to the stats, is that the ball is in play for a bit longer, so there's more opportunities, more hand, more play the balls, more, more sets of tackles, etc. Um, does that necessarily mean that it's more interesting for fans? Probably not. 
I think in and of itself, it's an interesting uh, statistic, but it doesn't necessarily explain why it's more, uh, it leads to closer games. I think it's just one of those things where it's a byproduct, you know, the closer games happen to be ones where there's more ball in play. And I guess, I guess if I'm run going around in circles, I'm going to end on something and I'll, I'll throw to you, get your views on this. Does that, that, bit of discussion about the stats from Annesley and, uh, you know, indicate that what is really happening is that when we, when our game is uh, riddled with wrestling at the play, the ball, wasting time, you know, all that kind of stuff, that it actually robs fans of seeing a true contest, that it's just a waste of time. And, and certainly, in my mind, I've always thought that kind of stormification of wrestling <laughs> tactics that we've seen in the last 20 years has made it really boring to watch. Mm. Uh, when And when it's exciting, it's when, you know, I talk about my golden age that I, I wish we could go back to like the early 90s. If you look at the games played then, if you look at replays of games uh, from that era, it, there was, yeah, there was a bit of wrestling, but there was a lot of, you know, quick, let, let them get up and play the ball. And, and there was a lot of, um, it was, it seemed a lot faster in the sense that the play, the balls were faster. Surely the athletes nowadays are infinitely more, more superior and faster and stronger. But I think, uh, I think that's to the detriment of the game. In terms of the game, I feel like the play, the balls were faster in years gone by and maybe what we're seeing now is that the play the balls are a little bit faster now and there's more uh more actual game time happening less less of the the wrestling that leads to nothing um mm -hmm. what do you think about that tish as my final uh <laughs> an insightful analysis what do you think well well look i think that observation that you've pointed out i, I think is true right um because the it is a, lot, a far more exciting product when it is a lot more free-flowing and fast um, and that excitement is what people want to see, right? So well, that's why they sort of show up live. Uh, look, I know you called it the stormification. I'm not 100% sure if that's accurate because, uh, yes, we might say that they've been pioneers and innovators, but, you know, I've never been to one of their training sessions, so I don't know. Um, but, <laughs> but I would say that, um, you know, I suppose the rules allowed them to do, like, they, they were taking advantage of the rules of the time, right? And we've seen so many uh, sort of rule changes since the lockdown, right? That um, the initial lockdown, which um, and this year they had uh, tweaked some, but I think overall the rule changes have stayed the same. So just I think players are kind of now used to it a little bit. Um, so you're seeing like less of a, a gap between those who know how to play with the new rules and those who don't. Um, you know, those like, you know, there's probably a lot less uh, howlers of video or what's it called where you, where you uh, what's it, captain's challenges, you know, how mm, you saw some really yeah. silly ones, but now, now you don't. Um, but I think, yeah, yeah. So I think with the, the wrestle, like, you know, look, because it wasn't just the storm. It was it was every team trying to find a way, right? And I suppose they were more effective of it, uh, you know, than, than mm. other teams. I think a lot of people sort of uh, say that, but. I think overall they were just playing to the rules that the the game governs, and since the govern the govern the governance of the NRL has changed the rules a little bit um, to allow more exciting play, I think you start to see that happen. Um, see, there is a little thing to this as well, which um, it, it, okay, we're talking about the closeness of scores. We're actually not talking about 
the scores itself. And this is kind of a really interesting thing too because I noticed that, you know, for round four, for example, if you actually look at the scores, um, you know, there's a 16-14 in there. There's a, you know, 14-12. Um, so we're talking about two to three tries per game each, right? Whereas in, you know, round three, you actually had close – uh, games again, but they were more high scoring, right? You know, there yeah, was I think a yeah. thirty-eight, thirty-four, and stuff. Like this. So it's it's yeah. So it's not um. So so it's funny. It, funny these rules sometimes have an effect. Uh, like yeah, it's it, it's uh it's not making the game necessarily more attacking or more defensive, right? No, no. It no. is just meaning that the that the gap between how much a team can defend versus score is getting closer, right? Um. So I think that's probably more spread of talent. And, you know, I just uh, was thinking about this, you know, from uh, 95 to about uh, – since 1995 to about 2018, right, there was no team that was able to win back-to-back. But in that period, you saw an expansion to 20. Um, you know, you saw the introduction of the Melbourne Storm. Obviously, the you know, the te- the uh, teams, uh, you know, the uh, the competitions combined again. Um, you saw the re-entry of South Sydney and, and you saw the Gold Coast Titans come in, right? So with all those extra teams coming in and sort of, you know, reducing some things, and it, it, you know, no team was able to sort of get on top uh, for an extended period because, you know, there was always an expansion happening, right? Um, but then we've stopped expansion from 2007 all the way up to this year, right? And then you've had uh, the Roosters and now the Panthers winning back-to-back. Um, you know, so the two, two teams doing it. So I think it also says that, um, you know, it was probably, I would say, maybe five years, five or six years uh, due, right, to expand mm-hmm. the competition. And I think uh, because they've done so, I think it's great. Not, and, and hopefully we don't need to wait another, you know, from 2007 to 2023, what are we talking about? Like, you know, 10, uh, what, 15 years? <laughs> For an expansion, right? Like you know, um, so I, I think that's why the the product looks fresh and exciting because it's it's not stale anymore. They've they've re brought life back into it. Absolutely. Um, look, let's move on to the big debate that we're going to have and the centerpiece of this podcast episode, which is uh, you know, despite the fact that we've had record you know attendances and all that sort of stuff. Uh, if you, you can always rely on Wayne Bennett to spark a debate and whinge about something. So that's what Tackle 3 is about. Let's get into it. Here we go. All right. So as I mentioned, Wayne Bennett, despite the fact that He's on a high with the Dolphins so far this year, and the NRL is on a high in general. He's decided to uh, somehow enter the debate, uh, along with Queensland Rugby League Chairman Bruce Hatcher, and the debate is around uh, whether a New South Wales or specifically a Sydney team should be relocated to Perth, uh, you know, in order to allow the NRL to expand and also to reduce the number of teams in Sydney, which we know has always been one of the issues that we've been dealing with. So Wayne Bennett has called, and he's actually called Sydney team selfish for uh, not not wanting to relocate and 
uh, expanding our own to new areas. So I thought we'd this will be a good opportunity for us to debate in detail which of let's just play devil's advocate here, which of these Sydney teams could be uh, candidates for relocation. Uh, we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into each of these clubs and uh, we're going to talk about options and pros and cons for those options. But, um, you know, it's such a big tackle here that we, we're going to actually expand. This is going to be tackles three and four for today. But look, Tish, are we ready to dive into this one? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Well, let's firstly, so we know that there are nine Sydney teams or, or you know, technically eight and a half because I think St. George Illawarra Dragons cover the Illawarra region as well. But definitely there are nine teams that have representation in a geographical location within Sydney. Um, but let's go through, I thought what we'd do is go through the, 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 the teams that are probably least likely to be candidates for relocation, and we'll talk about why. Then we'll talk about the ones that are maybes. <laughs> Maybe the, the, there might be an argument made for them. And then the ones, we're going to end up with the ones that are the most likely candidates for relocation, we'll, and we'll go through each one. So let's start with um, the obvious couple, uh, the Rabbitohs. So the Rabbitohs, I think, um, you know, it, it's next to zero chance of, of uh, the Rabbitohs moving from where they are. They, they're, uh, they're so much entrenched as the... Uh, you know, one of the biggest, if not the biggest rugby league club uh, throughout Australia in terms of supporter base, marketability, all that kind of stuff. You know, thinking about 20 or so years ago, they were kicked out of the competition and there was a big, you know, uproar and protest to bring them back in. I don't see any chance at all of the Rabbitohs uh, relocating or moving or doing anything other than staying where they are it's just too risky that we would lose too many fans there's absolutely no benefit at all for the Rabbitohs moving uh Tish do you agree with that yeah I agree uh look even though they play games outside of uh you know their South Sydney traditional areas home games um because they're a brand beyond South Sydney um I just think they're too famous and you know uh, over you know they're one of the highest uh, membership fan bases as well um so so yeah I think yeah, uh, yeah, in, yeah, they're safe. <laughs> they're safe. Another team that it's likely is likely to be safe, but for different reasons, is the Sydney Roosters. Now they don't have, I don't think, the same level of, uh, you know, fan base as the Rabbitohs. That's for sure. But they do have a. They're very strongly entrenched as the most corporate-backed uh, Sydney team. And, uh, you know, they're the only continuously uh, continuous team representing their area uh, in, in the highest level uh, in Australia in rugby league. So it's very, very unlikely that they'll get to a point where there are any benefits at all with them relocating. So I think and also they're so their in, in identity is now so entrenched within the Sydney Bondi kind of area that it's very unlikely you'll be able to even suggest to anyone that they should be relocated to uh, to create a new uh, fan base in an expansion area. So, Tish, Roosters, do you agree? Stay? Well, look, I, I think it is to stay, but I, but I must say their memberships, I'm looking at their memberships, I think they've posted 18,000 uh, for this year. It's really quite low 
uh, considering Parramatta had 31,000, right? Um, uh, and and they've got the biggest corporate backing as well, right? So for a club to, to sort of be sort of, you know, half of what uh, like a team like South Sydney have, um, you know, kind of I don't think it is uh, as exciting uh, of a uh, – and a team that's had so much success as well. Um, so I just wonder, like, like you know, we, we sort of um, – we talk about how of a successful club they are, um, but they also have quite a lot of things going for them. And based on what they have going for them, are they really taking that opportunity? Um, I'm not sure, but I think where they are and where they're located and the history of the club, I think that that allows them to stay. Yep. Um, look, for similar reasons as what I mentioned with the Rabbitohs, I guess the geographical identity of Manly, I think, uh, you know, the insular peninsula, as they call it, um, it's very unlikely. You know, they, they've tried with the Northern Eagles, the, com- the combining with the North Sydney Bears. That didn't work out for obvious reasons. I think Manly's too much of a a very clear, clear-cut identity uh, tied to its location uh, and... And I think it's too risky for the NRL to to want to move um, the Seagulls away from Manly, risking uh, losing the entire North Shore <laughs> to uh, to other sports. Uh, not having representation at all on the north side of the harbour would be disastrous. You can make an argument for you know bringing back the Bears and and, and North Sydney and all that kind of stuff, but when, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about of those that are there. What would happen? What what options are available? And I really do think there is no option uh, for Manly. I think they need to stay. They need to be strong. Uh, it's too risky to lose the North North Shore. Do you agree, Tish? Yeah, look, I uh, I think yeah they are also so synonymous with the area, so I think they're a stay as well. Um, although I must say uh, they have uh, 14,663 uh, 14, uh, <laughs> members, which is yeah. lower than the Dolphins in their very first season of fifteen thousand. So, um, and you know lower than the team like the Tigers who came last last year. So yeah, what are they doing? Yeah, and I think I think you raise a point, and we're gonna no doubt it's gonna all these yeah. people are uh, protesting because Des has been fired, right? That's right. It's a it's a Des protest. Look, it's, I think yeah. I think you raise a point that we we this this is the case for a few of the other clubs where they don't have the support, the vast fan base and corporate support, or financial stability of some other clubs, but because of, there are no other options in their their area. You know, you, we've got to think about the dots on the map kind of thing situation here with the with the the NRL and what would happen if we were to lose a particular area. Um, you know that that would be disastrous, even if that area is not you know as popular or as strong a rugby league area as say other areas in Sydney. You know, that's what I think that is the saving grace I think for Manly is that uh, there are no other options there at the moment. They've built a strong fan base. Out of all the North Shore teams that have represented that area in years gone by, they have been by far the most successful. Um, you know, there, there's that, that everyone loves to hate manly kind of thing. So they've built that kind of, again, tribal kind of identity of us against the world, which seems to have worked for them. Um, and so I think on that basis, they deserve to stay. Now, the next two that I think 
I'm going to lump them together with at the moment they should stay, but I think there is a long term, there may be uh, a possibility of something happening. But, um, you know, Penrith and Parramatta, I'm going to lump them together. You know, I don't think there are any pros uh, or, or advantages at all for either Penrith or Parramatta to be relocated to another area, uh, a, a new area like Perth or whatever. Um, they've they've got their they're too entrenched in their areas, but also they've got extremely strong uh, infrastructure processes, you know, junior nurseries, that kind of thing. They're both very successful uh, on and off the field, and they've got huge fan bases, Parramatta more so, I think, than Penrith. But Penrith have also got their newly uh, kind of established uh you know academy and 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 high class facilities all that kind of thing um and they're really uh you know both teams have really entrenched themselves as uh true western sydney kind of powerhouse clubs um now i i did say earlier that uh they for both of those teams i would say they need to stay where they are i don't think there's any chance at all that they will be moving uh you know the justification for it is is too low there's a, there would be no benefits however i do think long term and i'm talking you know maybe decades down the track if for whatever reason uh the nrl grows to such an extent that we need to start looking at uh consolidation of areas I think there is a possibility at some point that Penrith and Parramatta may look to merge or, or form an alliance of some sort, <laughs> joint venture, to shore up the entire Western Sydney as as the, the Western Sydney club. But that's way, way down the track. I think at this stage, having that Western Sydney rivalry is absolutely beneficial. Um, but Tish, what are your thoughts on, you know, Individually, Penrith and Parramatta, should they stay? And then if you want to make a comment about my my crazy conspiratorial theory of decades down the track where they might end up merging, uh, happy for you to say something there as well. What do you think? Yeah, look, I think they should definitely both stay, um, short-term and long-term. Um, they are both synonymous with their areas. They are two distinct areas. They're both major, very important junior nurseries for rugby league, um, all all the west all the western city teams are right. Um, and on top of all of that, if you look at the trend of what's happening uh, from a population point of view, more and more families, more and more um, participation is happening out west. So it needs to be heavily represented. If we are going to talk decades down the future, um, you know, there's going to be le- like the trend is there's less participation in the eastern suburbs, right? Uh, and in the peninsulas, right? So um, probably where the consolidation has to be is where there's a consolidation of fans, and that is all those fans on the, uh, you know, on the seaboard. Uh, mm, yep. You know, that's because true. they're not going to have that many in their areas. So that's where they'll almost have to be forced to relocate if, like, say, for example, a team like Manly, um, you know, the participation level gets so low in mainly Warringah, that that actually more and more of their fans living are, are living in the Central Coast, and hence they become the Central Coast Eagles, something like that. Um, that is probably more likely to happen than, um, you know, everybody moving out of Penrith all of a sudden, right? Yeah. Because that's where, where all the development is happening. So so I think, I think 
both these teams, I think they're safe because I think a not only are they uh, sort of doing well with their nurseries, I think their nurseries are growing, and I think you've got to remember both for men and women's rugby league, right? The majority of the players are coming through these areas now, and uh, yeah, uh, you know, attendances is yeah, like attendances are great. Um, uh, you know, the memberships are on the higher end as well uh, compared to some of the other Sydney teams. So so yeah. I, I don't see what where there is any opportunity for these teams to 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 leave. All right, sticking with Western Sydney, uh, but I put this club in the possible candidates, although maybe not. <laughs> maybe you might disagree, but mm. an interesting history here, which sort of lends itself to uh, a discussion around uh, which area they should be representing in Sydney. So Canterbury banks down. Uh, you know, normally you you say that's outrageous. Why would you consider moving them? They've they've uh, the the area that they represent, the communities that they represent. They're very it, the identity is quite strong there. However, I'm not suggesting that they necessarily relocate to Perth or, or elsewhere. But there is a d- debate to be had, and and I know it's a bit off topic here from what we we're talking about with the Wayne Bennett comment, but. There was a time recently, well, not recent. I guess it was like a couple of decades ago at least, where there was the the infamous Oasis project where there was a plan mm. to build a stadium out in Liverpool, which is the, the southwest sort of uh, southwest of Sydney. It's a city in its own right, I guess, but uh, a major major sort of uh, city centre there. Um, the idea was to to build a, a big kind of, well, it was a hotel kind of resort but it was it would be associated with a new rugby league stadium a boutique stadium probably smaller than the combank stadium size i believe that was the plan anyway it didn't come to fruition for various reasons but um the questions remain i think around you know is is the liverpool area as as the gateway to the southwest of sydney uh the area that should be focused on uh, and if that's the case, you know, Canterbury Banks down to Liverpool is really, you know, a 10, 15 minute drive or 20 minute at most. It's not really that major mm. a location uh, shift. However, there there is a potential to think about in the future whether a shift to. Oh, and the other thing is the demographics and the communities that are represented by Canterbury Banks down in uh, the Lakemba and Canterbury area are very much, uh, you know, uh, have moved and shifted across Sydney as well. And so there's plenty of those communi- members of those communities that are out towards the Liverpool area and, and southwest in general. So there is an opportunity there to think about that, whether we want a, a, a bit of a slight shift in the, rep- the area represented by Canterbury Bankstown. But there are risks involved in that. You may lose your massive fan base of Canterbury fans uh, that you know, which rival in many ways the Eels fans uh, up a little bit further up north, um, and then you've got the unknown factor of if you were to move to Liverpool area, what would happen? You know, is there enough of a uh, an appetite in that area for a rugby league team representing that area, or are people just happy for the Bulldogs to represent the area that they are in Liverpool to not? not uh not be represented so again this is a debate about the um 
geographical dots on the map kind of situation versus, uh, you know, and, and what are the benefits? Well, the benefits are that maybe by associating themselves with a growing area in the Liverpool region, uh, it's becoming more, uh, you know, a lot more money is going into it. It's becoming more cosmopolitanized. There's a lot more uh, big kind of, office buildings and residential buildings being built there than uh and towers etc than ever before so maybe that's the place where it needs to go but anyway uh bulldogs what do you reckon uh liverpool stay any other option well this is a difficult one because they are a brand that is quite uh famous um and i think they have a very uh loyal uh fan uh, fan base and i think also you saw uh you know the family day and that that real, and I think Phil Gould's probably got his hand in this, like just seeing the real back to the old Bulldogs culture coming back, uh, which is that real family family orientated culture. And but the problem is, you know, they don't really get to play Belmore, do they? They they, they sort of get, um, you know, Stadium Australia, which is kind of outside their area a little bit. And now, um, you know, you're talking about what happened with the Oasis project. So so I think the future of the Bulldogs. You are right. I think they're, they're they're sort of sandwiched in there a little bit, and I think they probably would have a fan base that's moving more and more west. And you know, I mean, just we we talked about the elections earlier, but you know, Leppington was a new area that was built uh, or, or a new uh, electorate, right? So they've they've had to rezone those areas um, just a little bit to the west of of where Canterbury, Bankstown Bulldogs are. And, um, you know, Canterbury-Bankstown in, in itself, right, like Belmore, it sort of doesn't seem to be the centre of where they are in the moment. It seems to be more Bankstown-ish. Um, that, you know, I think the uh, I think the junior system is down to, uh, it might be under 20 teams now. Um, so, yeah, there's a, I think there is some challenges that the Bulldogs have staying in the area and then, um, and I think their future may lie in the in the West a little bit. Um if they're going to stay in Sydney, but I think, I think this whole area needs to have some sort of representation. I think that's the, and I think that's the real challenge that is before the Bulldogs, the NRL, and probably another team that we're just, that we're going to be talking about soon. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, look, another team uh, moving on to the other team in the it's complicated column is St. George (laughs) Illawarra. Um, Mm. St. George Illawarra. So as I've spoken about in the past, people tend to think, oh, it's a joint venture and it didn't make any sense for Cogra to then, you know, cover Illawarra area as well. It doesn't make any sense. Well, if you understand the history of the St. George region and uh, and, and even the fact that the St. George area in south of Sydney used to be called the Illawarra suburbs. <laughs> um, it was basically, there was a, a, a blending of that area as you head towards Wollongong and the Illawarra region. There was... Uh, there's, there was definitely a very strong historical reason why that joint venture made sense geographically. Um, however, and we're going to talk about them later, what happened is by them joining forces, uh, the it, it may basically put the Cronulla Sharks uh, at a in a, a bit of a pickle um, in terms of being sandwiched in there uh, as the only, you know, it kind of uh, the St. George Illawarra geographical region leapfrogging the Sutherland Shire where, where Cronulla represents. So the, the the issue here with St. George Illawarra, I think the questions have been around, should they just make the permanent move to Wollongong and technically move away from 
Cogra and just move and be based in Wollongong 100%. That's been one of the, the debates around their history and, and their future going forward. Um, you know, the Tigers, which we're going to talk about in a minute as well, have a, a you know, a split identity as well. Uh, the, the St. George of the Dragon split over Cogra to Wollongong and, and extending far to the south coast. Uh, I think one of the benefits of a potential suggested move to Wollongong entirely, first of all, it doesn't do anything to our dots on the map thing because we already are based in Wollongong. They're already based there. The question is, should they be based there 50% of the time or, or you know, closer to 100%? Um, you know, should every should all the base the bases be moved there and everything be moved there, operations be moved there, but with occasional, you know, revisiting of uh, the the stadium in Cogra to to you know to appease the fan base and to give them a couple of nostalgic games a year. Um, certainly different to what the situation is now. So I think. That's the question. It is complicated with them, but the question is, should they stay as is or should they uh, move more of their time towards Wollongong? What do you think? Yeah, well, look, I... So this is kind of interesting where um, I think I maybe heard this a few years ago where the Dragons themselves did not see themselves as a Sydney team, right? And part of that is because they do have... uh, an ownership of by the Gordon family uh, who owns Wynn Television, and I think they even own Wynn Stadium, right? Um, so I think they are eventually going to just end up being um, the Sud George Illawarra Dragons playing all the games out of Wynn Stadium, right? Um, and, uh, yeah, and I think, you know, it's, again, very iconic brand. You know, they've won the most grand finals uh, in, in a row, uh, they did at one stage, and I'm not too sure if it's still the case, had the most Immortals, uh, you know, represented as well. So, you know, they're, they're, they're definitely one of the premier clubs, but I think uh, I think because of that lack of geographical bounds, you know, um, you know, a bit like the Mighty Ducks, right? Where, where, do, we, uh, where do we redraw the lines here, you know? Um, I think... <laughs> Yeah, um, I, I think it would. Uh, I think it would have to. I, th- I think eventually they will move to Wollongong. So, and I think they're kind of already uh, like thinking about that too. That they seem to win more games at Win than Jubilee, and I think you know with the, sh- I think the Sharks are sort of becoming more popular in the area. So, yeah, it, it's one of these areas in Sydney that's losing its identity in rugby league a little bit. Um, so. Uh, they've got, yeah, I think they've got some challenges staying where they are. All right, let's move to the teams that are most likely, and there's two of them, most likely to be considered as relocation options. So the first one that we're going to talk about is your beloved West Tigers, uh, a merging of the Bowmain Tigers and West Magpies. Uh, obviously, in recent years, the West portion of that uh, marriage has uh, you know been more financially viable and successful. There's been discussions that potentially there would be a breakup. Uh, there's a lot of debate about whether West should just uh, establish itself in the MacArthur region, call themselves either West Magpies or MacArthur Magpies or whatever. Uh, so there's that uh, that as an option. Um, similarly to what we've just said with St. George Illawarra Dragons, they do definitely have an, an identity crisis. They still play games at, you know, this is a team that it's trying to be based in Campbelltown. 
it plays occasional games at Leichhardt Oval. In fact, they've already played two out of their last four games at Leichhardt Oval. Um, it's traditional Balmain base. And I think it's head of operations runs out of Concord. <laughs> so, mm. and, and, and it's other home stadium is sort of a core stadium, uh, the main stadium. So I think yeah. it's, it's absolutely shambolic, the, the identity crisis going on at the Tigers. And that is a, a key sort of reason why it's probably one of the number one, uh, you know, probably the number one candidate for relocation. When people think about it, you know, it's financially a, a basket case. It doesn't, it has an identity crisis. Um, it's not like they're the two most winningest teams and have a very strong fan base you know when they go out to Campbelltown they seem to be making a meal out of um, shoring up the Campbelltown MacArthur region uh, for for rugby league so and and probably the reason is that that people do not associate with or want to be associated with a team that uh, seems to kind of have a foot in both camps and wants to still still stay in in uh, in Leichhardt in many ways and and hold on to its past so that's always been a huge challenge, I think, for the Tigers. And I think potentially the lifeline of being able to move to Perth um, might allow it uh, to retain part of its identity. Um, I don't know if they should be called West, but, you know, West Coast Tigers, something like that could work without without breaking up too much of the, uh, uh, you know, making them change too much of their letterheads and things like that. You know, it's not too much of a stretch. Keeping, I think, the Tigers mascot uh, is would be great because it, it definitely is valuable property. Um, over time, I think you could see, uh, you know, a fan base really building up there in Perth. Um, but there is a risk there are all, or some cons to this, and some of the risks are, you know, Perth may not accept a relocated team. I mean, people refer to the Brisbane... Uh, Lions and the uh, uh, and the Sydney Swans in the AFL as examples of where you know a traditional team could be brought to a, an, an expansion area with some level of success. Um, the difference is, I think, for say Sydney Swans as an example, um, the South Melbourne Bloods or whatever they were called, Swans, were an absolute basket case and weren't really successful in any way. So they were desperate. Um, you know, so I guess the question is, is desperation the, re the reason for West Tigers considering the move away from, uh, you know, what they're trying to do down here in southwest Sydney? Uh, you can't have this debate in isolation. We just spoke about the Bulldogs potentially moving to an area in the, in the future where they could shore up the southwest region and be the representative club for that region, thus allowing a Tigers or West Tigers um, club to move elsewhere and, and start again, so to speak. Um, there's a lot to take in there, and I don't take any of that lightly, anything that I said, because it is your team, Tish. And, you know, I did follow, as some of you may know, the Balmain Tigers in years gone by it was my second team to the Parramatta Eels. So I do have a bit of a soft spot for where the Tigers are going, but I also want to see them remain in the top competition and not die. So that's another kind of thing to think about. But Tish... As this is your team, I'll let you have a go at picking apart everything I just said. What do you think? <laughs> yeah, look, look, I, look. Uh, I think uh, okay. So, firstly, uh, the financial situation of the West Tigers is actually quite healthy. Uh, I know they've 
Uh, they've just recently built that new uh, center of excellence. And the reason why they've done that is I believe that they are, are just behind the Rabbitohs as the most financial viable team, maybe Penrith as well. Um, so they're in, they're, they're in mm. the viability is, is actually really good, right? They have huge corporate support. And the reason why they do that is because uh, they're actually a great representation of Sydney. <laughs> like they play games at all the major stadiums, <laughs> right? <laughs> that are their home games. So I think almost trying to please everybody uh, has kind of turned them into a default Sydney team. They are also one of the highest ranking, um, you know, ratings teams as well, like, you know, in the NRL. So there are things like that which which sort of, um, you know, makes you want to think like, you know, th- that there is something there for these, te- uh, for, for, for these guys, like, you know, of how they can, uh, you know, uh, sort of, uh, you know, stay safe, I suppose, for, from having being forced to do that. Um, look, I think, you know, uh, the Western, uh, you know, the West, the Magpies, you know, are losing their identity as as the West Tigers grow because, you know, there is that, you know, Balmain history that sort of gets more remembered just because of the, you know, I suppose the, the Tigers as well. So I think it's an important club from a historic point of view. You know, it's representing two of the 1908 teams. Um, so so it is important to somehow keep an identity for them. Um, but you are right. Like I think there's down the track there has to be some sort of biting of the bullet of of what the identity needs to be, right? Um, does it need to represent, uh, you know, the, the MacArthur area? Um, and east of that, which is the Leppington, if, if the Bulldogs don't want to expand, right? Um, you know, Leppington and Liverpool and all those type of areas. Um, or is it going to be the Inner West Club, right? So sort of, you know, the Concord and Balmain and holding on to that, uh, even though that, you know, that's, I think that's a stable part of Sydney. I, I wouldn't necessarily call it a growing part of Sydney, but then, you know, across across the Victoria, uh, was it across the river, you've also got like, you know, the, uh, the Northwest area, Epping and all that. I suppose technically they're all. I mean, it's a rugby union sort of area, isn't it? The Lane Cove to sort of you know uh, North Parramatta region. I, I don't know how you sort of classify that type of area of Sydney, but you know there is yeah. uh, there is a bit of a corporate side to that as well. So yeah, so so they've got they've but they're going to have to make the decision on where it is um, of what they're going to be if they're going to remain in Sydney. Um, but but I feel like. Um, and I think this is one thing that I think you've even seen with the Swans is that, you know, there is still quite a lot of people from South Melbourne that support the Swans. And I don't think they've completely lost their identity too. So I don't necessarily think it's going to die completely um, because I think the, there's been so much history with these clubs already uh, and people want to learn the backstory. And as long as they make the backstory part of their expansion, I think it's going to be okay. Um so look, I think stay for the moment, uh, but I feel like they're in a better position than say the Bulldogs on where they could be because they sort of already got their sort of hooks in in several different areas. Uh, but but I think ultimately it's kind of like this: they've got to make the decision before the decision gets made before them, right? I think that's what it comes down to for the West Tigers. Absolutely, and look, moving on to the last candidate, which uh, you know has. There are plenty of reasons for this club to be moved as well. Cronulla Sharks, Cronulla Sutherland Sharks, um, you know, I guess the options for them are, uh, well, stay where they are, 
despite the fact that St. George Illawarra is kind of already covering a lot of their ground. And don't forget, Cronulla, the history of this is that Cronulla was created in a way to break up the St. George dominance of that area. So ironically, you know, the newcomer, relatively speaking, is is now considered potentially in a position of greater strength than, than the St. George area, uh, the St. George club, which is a bit of a shame. But look, financially, the Cronulla Sharks are very strong. They've obviously got some really good, uh, you know, real estate developers in their in their in their uh, organization that know how to, um, you know, purchase and maintain and buy and sell property and, and have a good real estate portfolio. Um, that ensures that they have very good financial position when these sort of discussions come out. But you did mention something earlier, Tisha. One of the, the downsides or, or the benefits of moving Cronulla away is that we've already got, you know, from the space between the Sydney Harbour Bridge down to the bottom tip of Cronulla, we've got four rugby league teams there, four top-grade teams that cover that entire area, uh, with obviously St. George Illawarra extending even further down towards the Illawarra region and South Coast as well, uh, representing that area. So I think, uh, you know, even from a purely dots-on-the-map basis, there's something needs to be done. That is where there are too many teams in that area and i think because of that if you look at the teams which of which ones are safe uh you know rabbitos and roosters as we said earlier uh to sort of round off the discussion from before they're pretty much locked in they're not going to move uh, they're going to stay where they are even though geographically they're very close to each other you know the reach of the the rabbitos well beyond its geographical boundaries suggests that you know that that area is well and truly shored up um, the question is around the southern tip of Sydney, uh, Cronulla, that kind of area. Do we need a team there or can we afford to uh, relocate the Sharks and, uh, you know, allow St. George Illawarra to kind of uh, reclaim that land that was originally theirs? Um, so that's one question. The other question is, if we were to relocate the Sharks, where would they go? Perth would be the obvious one. I think out of Perth and Adelaide, I think there's been discussion around, you know, obviously Perth being um, the main next candidate for expansion beyond the Eastern Seaboard. Uh, again, dots on the map wise, you would go with Perth over Adelaide, but Adelaide is still an option as well in in the future, if not immediately in the immediate short term or medium future. Um, so I guess the question is, Cronulla, um, you know, what would happen if we were to move them away? Would they, there wouldn't be a humongous loss of fans because I don't think Cronulla has ever been seen, even in its height, the height of its, uh, you know, uh, premiership winning days in in very recent years within the last decade. Even then, they didn't really set the world on fire in terms of memberships and crowds, etc. There is a, a risk that if we, you know, with any of these teams, by relocating, you you are insulting and and uh, you know <laughs> uh, the the legacy and the fan base that's there. But I don't think the fan base of the Sharks. In fact, I would argue it's probably one of the lowest, if not the lowest, in Sydney. So I think they've got that against them, uh, and, and for uh, a relocation elsewhere to for a fresh new start. You know, Perth Sharks has a or West Coast Sharks has a nice ring to it as well. So I think there wouldn't be too much of an issue with that mascot. But, um, yeah, I guess it's it's about the NRL working out, 
you know, is, is it a strategic move or is it a risky move to, to rip out the Cronulla Sharks and transplant them somewhere else? Tish, what do you think? Yeah, well, I think you're right. I think uh, I think the only other club that has lo- less members than them is is St George, right? So I think it does show that um, you know these this area itself is sort of split. Um, but I do feel that Cronulla is a lot more of a representation than St George of that area. Um, so yeah, and I just for some reason I can't see I can't see Cronulla anywhere else. So. I think perhaps if if maybe if the St George uh, decide to move, I think that is going to mean that there's only uh, the Rabbitohs and uh, the Roosters and the Sharks, and I think three teams might might just do it for that area, um, and then have the have mm. St George Illawarra, uh, you know, represent uh, you know re- represent um, you know the Illawarra. Um, there is a problem when it comes to say the central coast so maybe that's where the the western sydney team goes right and then you end up having six teams in sydney which i think would definitely um you know three coastal and three west sydney teams um you know maybe something like that would be the the way um and if you if you think about it you know penrith Parramatta, and liverpool they seem to you know, uh, the Liverpool Bulldogs, the Paramount, yeah. So maybe, and maybe the the Central Coast Tigers. Maybe, maybe that's what we're looking at, right? So, um, uh, but look, you know, I think, yeah, it's it, it's going to be challenging uh, for any team to move, and I think this is where the the idea is. But I, but I think some of these brands are bigger than the area too. Um, I just think like you go to Cronulla, just it it definitely feels like shark territory, right? Um, I think it's it's very similar to Manly in that way. So, uh, yeah, but I'd say that, yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think that there is probably something that needs to be worked out there. Just what it is, uh, I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, just to your point, and my final point here is that with Cronulla, you know, you spoke earlier we, we, about Manly and what would happen if you took them away, you completely leave that whole north side of the of Sydney vulnerable to other sports. You wouldn't rep- have representation at the highest level. Um, and and by the process of elimination, you know, Manly is the only team remaining there. However, on the south side, you've got, you know, from the city kind of area, which which is where the Roosters represent, a little bit further south, which is where the Rabbitohs represent. Then you've got, you know, the, the, the Dragons in there somewhere as well, representative of that area. And although if we move them to Wollongong, if they're encouraged to move to Wollongong more permanently, that would not come into the equation, although there would be that historical link to that southern part of Sydney. But, um, but yeah, then then I guess the question is, with Cronulla there, you know, we've got over-representation in the southern part of Sydney, and it's not even the heartland of rugby league. This is the funny thing, is that we've got teams, you know, in the western part of Sydney which have massive fan bases, have done quite well, and yet those are the teams that are considered prime candidates uh, for for relocation, talking about the West Tigers in particular. But, um, you know, when you look at Cronulla, you know, they're in an area where there is already over-representation. And, yes, they have a fan base. And, yes, there is an identity there. The Shire is also very inclusive. It's an insular, not so much peninsula as much as Manly is. Um, But I guess my question is, is it sustainable 
to have that many teams in that area. So I guess I'm going to leave it there uh, with, uh, I think we're both sort of suggesting, look, it's up to the Tigers and the Sharks. I think they're the two most likely candidates for relocation. And I think it's, uh, the NRL has to have some very uh, deep conversations about that. But look, let's move on to, uh, let's, let's get Chad's view on NRL expansion in general. Here we go with tackle number five. All right, so Chad, we asked Chad earlier, where should the NRL expand to next? And Chad, uh, this is what he had to say. Okay, uh, let me okay, what's happening with that. Chad, where are you? Okay, are you okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. All right. Um, yeah, look, a bit of technical difficulties with Chad. Um, so let me just... Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, so, so are we just talking about Sydney about this, Dr. Taylor? We're talking other parts of, uh, other parts of the NRL, like, you know, uh, you know, what's Chad's brief here? Chad, Chad's been asked, I think, uh, look, we're, we're not going to talk about Sydney anymore. I think let's just say, you know, let's look to the future. Where should the NRL expand to next? I'm sure Chad's got some ideas. Being an American, uh, in, in a fish out of water over here in Australia. So, uh, Chad, does do you yeah. have any views? Okay, uh, all right. So we're okay. So look, uh, let me let me try it. Look, a bit shy. Maybe he's uh, he's at, he's added so much fame. You know, we've had to uh, you know we've had to really uh, help him out. So so uh, yeah, let me let me try and uh, summon the. Oh, here we go. Here we go. So look, I think I think I see him. Um, where are you going? Where where is it coming? Okay, here we go. Is that is that? Is that coming in yet? Oh, there we are. So here we go. Chad JPT, what do you think? Hello, Dr. T and Tish. The NRL has been considering various options for expansion, including Brisbane, Perth, Papua New Guinea, and the Pacific Islands. However, a proposed team called the Southern Orcas could also be established in New Zealand, with home games at Sky Stadium and potential matches in Christchurch and Dunedin. Despite the lack of success of the Warriors in New Zealand, NRL cannot overlook the possibility of expansion into the country. One. Additionally, Fiji has also been mentioned as a potential location for an NRL team. There we go. Chad, look, I'm glad we resolved those technical difficulties, but Chad definitely (laughs) has, uh, has hit on a few things that we should consider in future, you know, once we've dealt with this Sydney relocation issue, I I tend to agree. I think, you know, New Zealand, Southern Orcas has definitely been a team that's been proposed in years gone by. And I think, uh, you know, the idea of having an Auckland-based team, the Warriors, and then another team in Christchurch and Dunedin. So obviously that's the, the, the South Island. Uh, maybe maybe even Auckland, Auckland and Wellington could be, the the domain of the Warriors, so we could have a North Island versus South Island kind of rivalry there uh, with the Southern Orcas. That's a great idea, there, Chad, and also yeah, Fiji. Definitely, we have talked about Fiji and Papua New Guinea. Um, we've talked about that recently about having the pathway of uh, of great you know rugby league talent in those countries find its way to the NRL potentially through 
as we said last time, a Pacific a Pacifica club, which represents multiple South Pacific islands, but, um, you know, while still having, uh, what do we call them, the PNG Hunters and the Fiji uh, Silvertail, Silktails um, being... Uh, you know, being represented in the the second grade, uh, feeding into the NRL team. So, look, some great ideas there, Chad. I'm very impressed that Chad, being an American, actually has, uh, you know, he's improving his pronunciation. Let me say, in you know, in weeks gone by, we've asked him a few things. He's been terrible at pronouncing some of these names, but he's done very well this this week. But Tish, what are your thoughts about Chad's views about expansion? Well, yeah, I mean, uh, I th- I'd say over here when we talk about the 18 team, the second New Zealand team doesn't get brought up, but I think I like the name, the Southern Orcas. I like the concept as well. I think it kind of got me a bit left field. I thought he was going to say something completely different, to be fair. Um, so so I think, I think well done. And then, you know, how does this competition look, uh, you know, when we sort of do the reshuffling of Sydney, then we, uh, you know, so we will have – Six teams from Sydney. We'll have four teams from Queensland. Um, you know, Canberra, uh, Canberra, and Melbourne. Um, sort of the uh, obviously, you know, St George moving to Illawarra. Let's just say the West Tigers moving to Central Coast. So Illawarra and the Central Coast. Um, you know, then you've also got you know two teams from uh, you know from New uh, New Zealand, and of course you've got Newcastle in there amongst it. That kind of you know that's that's pretty pretty healthy looking competition, right? I, I would have to say, you know, like quite quite well spread. Um, but then it kind of also means when are we actually going to do the 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 Western Australian expansion, right? Um, so yeah, so that's yeah. So so look, it's very interesting teams. Well, it's very like I think without uh, like I think the the shuffling of Sydney kind of is becoming a lot more urgent, right? And perhaps even Central Coast will miss out again. Uh, if if we decide to move uh, a team out, yeah. So I th- look, I think it's great to think about, but I think the Southern Orcas. It, it looks. I mean, Chad sold it to me. I think I'm sold. Uh, can I buy a jersey, Chad? Are the Southern Orcas jersey available? <laughs> well, yeah. The other thing is, uh, we we talked about Cronulla. Maybe Cronulla could go to the South Island, and it could be the South Island Sharks. What about that? There's oh, another yeah. area that we haven't considered. So anyway, lot to think about. Thanks, Chad, and thanks, Tish, for uh, getting him online after uh, <laughs> some technical difficulties. But let's move on to our final tackle, the tips. Here we go. All right. So after last week's round, I got seven out of eight. So I majorly jumped up from my average. <laughs> you got five out of eight, which is pre- pretty good still. That takes you to a total of 20, and I'm edging closer to a total of 16. And let's move on to our tips for this week. Uh, another Thursday night game for the Eels. It's the Roosters against the Eels, and I think the Eels – on the back of that um, that game against the Panthers, they will do uh, they'll consolidate and they'll win this one against the Roosters. What about you, Tish? Yeah, another Thursday night for the Eels. Another team coming off the bye. Um, <laughs> so look, I'm going to give it to the Eels as well. I think they I think it was a big win for them on the weekend. Yeah. 
Raiders and Panthers are the six o'clock Friday game. I think the Panthers mm. will win this one at GRO Stadium in Canberra. Yeah, look, I think it's going to be a fiery game, um, uh, but I'm going to give it to the, to the Panthers. All right. Friday night game, the main televised game is the Rabbitohs versus the Storm uh, at a core stadium in Sydney. I think the Rabbitohs have got the edge there. Yeah, I think so too. I think the Rabbitohs uh, have been playing better than Melbourne, so I'll, I'm going to tip the Rabbitohs um, to to win in this one. All right, and uh, somewhat of a derby, the Manly Warringah Seagulls against the Newcastle Knights uh, Saturday 3 p.m. game. Uh, I think Manly will win this one. Look, I'm going to tip a bit of an upset here. I think I'm going to tip Newcastle because look, they've had a bit of adversity at the start of the season, but I feel like uh, it's it's actually falling in their favour now. Like you know, the camaraderie that seems to happen uh, at the night. So I think the Knights will, will win that one. All right, the hapless Dragons uh, at Wynn Stadium against the Dolphins. Uh, look, despite what we said earlier about the Dragons' good record there at the Wynn Stadium, I think the Dolphins will win this one. Hmm. Yeah, look, another Wayne Bennett, former club. Uh, <laughs> I back to back. So yeah, ooh, this is a tight one. I, look, I'm going to tip the Dolphins. I think the Dolphins have been great. So yeah. All right. Uh, Saturday evening game: the Broncos versus the Tigers. Look, I'm still not impressed with what the Tigers are doing. Uh, so I can't really tip against the Broncos. So that's, yeah, that's for me. Well, look, the undefeated Broncos taking on the unwinless Tigers, right? So I'm going to tip the undefeated Broncos. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, and I've noticed that we've uh, – well, no, you've, you've tipped the Knights against Manly. We've pretty much agreed on everything. Sharks mm. and Warriors, I wonder whether you agree with me. I think it's a Sunday 4 o'clock game. Uh, it's at home at Points Bet Stadium. But it is against a Warriors team that is really impressing at the moment. But I think the Sharks have got it in the back. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a tight one. Uh, look, I think – look, you know what? I'm going to tip a bit of an upset here. I think the Warriors, um, you know, they had a really good victory last week. They never give up attitude. And I think they know uh, that they need to win games in Australia to, to sort of get into the finals. So I'm going to tip the Warriors uh, early in the season too. Uh, perhaps get a bit of an upset. All right. And finally, the Sunday uh, sort of early evening clash, the Bulldogs and the Cowboys at a core stadium in Sydney. I think the Cowboys uh, are, are kind of improving as well. So I've got, I'll give it to them. Yeah. Look, I'm going to tip the Bulldogs because this is a home game. They won last year and I think their attack is going, look, I think the Cowboys, Oh yeah, I don't think they've been a bit indifferent compared to last year. So I'm going to I'm going to tip the Bulldogs. All right, and uh, obviously the Titans have the bye, and I think that wraps up our tips and our podcast. It's been an epic one. We've had a lot of interesting debate there, Tish. Thanks for that. And uh, look over to you guys, the fans. If you have any questions or suggestions, let us know on ourrepublic at gmail dot com. Uh, check us out on our website, iTunes, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Uh, please support us and uh, let us know what you want to hear from us. And with that, I will uh, conclude it there and over to you, Tish, to wrap this up. Well, thank you, Dr. T. I'd like to thank everybody for listening to the show, but that's all the time we have for this edition of the Rugby League Republic. We're your hosts, Tish and Dr. T. Join us next time on the Rugby League Republic. Bye for now. (laughs) 